hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Remember that song by David Bowie, Heroes? I won't sing it for you. I'll spare you the agony. Don't worry. I was reminded of that song when the market was down about 2,000 points on Monday's opening, and then trading eventually got halted. We, really, read I, could have been a hero by going in and buying up stocks that I thought were cheap stocks. And, but then I remembered the other part of that tune, just for one day. Monday's big news for the market wasn't the coronavirus, but oil. Over the weekend, the Saudis had proposed OPEC 2.0, cut their production by another one and a half million barrels per day. And the Russians said no, and they failed to keep the existing cuts in place. So as a counter, the Saudis basically said, you know what? We'll show you. And we're going to raise production by 10 million or 10 million barrels per day. And they even threatened to go as high as 12 million. Why did the Saudis do a 180? Well, I'm guessing they wanted to uh, punish Russia, whose economy and debt servicing capacity are already under pressure. And at the same time, they've been looking for a way to curb the U.S. shale revolution. And this was their opportunity. Understand, all the Saudis care about is net revenue. And since it has the spare capacity, they can achieve or they can get to where they want to be on volume, not necessarily on price. They don't need $50 oil to make money. Their production cost is in the single digits. Yes, they need more than that because of their social program, but that's another story. Make no mistake. This is a very big deal because the last thing the world needs right now is weak, unstable oil prices. The collapse in oil prices are deflationary, and it can spark a wave of credit defaults and bankruptcies in the energy sector, which could spill over to the banking sector. That's why the market reacted the way it did. The winners eventually are going to be the bigger integrated oil companies who can buy those assets out of bankruptcies for pennies on the dollar. So this is the third shock to the system, as I call it. On top of the concerns with the global supply chain and the demand destruction from the fear factor of the virus, these all increase the chances of a recession. You don't have to look any farther than the treasury bond market. On Monday, History was made when the entire treasury curve sank below 1%. I think the 10-year treasury bond has been a great predictor of future growth. And right now, it's telling us not to hold our breath. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't surprise me to find out we're already in a recession. The bank stocks are saying that. Rates are low. Think about this for a second. If you buy a bond or a CD now and say you find one paying 2%, this of course, it's just hypothetical. But if you find a 2% payer, 2% CD, and assume you pay taxes on it, well, you're probably down to about a percent and a half. And inflation is running about 2%. My point here is 
there are a lot of real negative rates out there. So what do we do? If you're on my mailing list, you know that I've been nervous for a while now. I even sent out a note saying I was nervous as a long-tailed cat in a rocking chair factory. And that was before this volatility kicked in. And I was referring to the fact that stocks, bonds, and the dollar were all headed in the same direction. And that just isn't normal. When it does happen, stocks are going to be the one to pay the price. Now, what was and still is worrying me is the fact that investors are still being complacent, just buying the dips, blindly buying the index, uh, the indexes. And lately, we've seen some signs of pessimism, 40 billion of outflows from equity funds over the last four weeks and a VIX north of 50. But we still might see an even deeper reset. After 10, 11 years of remarkable strength in stocks, I still see deep-seated complacency. I don't think the volatility over the last couple of weeks has done much to correct the valuation excesses that emerged as stock prices rallied in anticipation of a pickup in earnings growth. Let's face it, economic uncertainties have made the fundamental outlook more challenging. Essentially, we don't have much of an idea of what the near term looks like. And most of last year's run up in equities, remember the market was up over 30% last year. That run up was based on this year's improving earnings outlook. And right now, it doesn't look so good. FactSec says earnings for first quarter might struggle to expand at all. I actually think they're probably going to be negative. I think what we're going to see is a kitchen sink type of first quarter when it comes to stocks, meaning the market is going to be expecting a bad quarter anyway. And this will give CEOs a chance to cleanse their books, to write off all kinds of things. Now, looking forward, I think the only way out or only sustainable way out of this mess is going to be a big fiscal package. We've already have a pretty good idea that we're going to go close to zero on interest rates and have some sort of quantitative easing, some QE, and that's central bank monetary policy. Fiscal policy is from the government doing something, something similar to TARP and tax cuts. I think it's going to have to be big in order to stop the hemorrhaging in the market and instill some confidence that there's going to be money available to deal with the fallout from the coronavirus. If you feel compelled to buy stocks, at least buy the things that people need to live on. Think the defensive type names like the Cloroxes, General Mills, Merck, Johnson & Johnson, Pepsi, those types of companies. If you don't feel compelled, if you don't have to be a hero, be patient. You never know how far the market can go to either the upside or the downside. We'll eventually find out. As I've said for many years in this type of situation, what I'll be looking for is two days where the upside volume outpaces the downside volume by 10 to 1. Last week's rally attempts didn't even come close to that number. In the meantime, I'm leaving my cape in the closet. If you need help with your planning or portfolio, please reach out. Our number is 571-261-7670. Once again, it's 571-261-7670. Or you can email me at 
podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. Uh, we're going to be doing a couple of seminars coming up in April in Ruston, Virginia. So stay tuned for the details on those. And if you're interested, just let me know. Well, folks, that's all we have time for today. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This has been Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.